Good morning. Um, thank you for giving me the opportunity to be here this morning, and thank you. I wanted to say thank you for having supported me on this journey, the leadership of this church, the session of this church. Uh, the members of this church have been with me all along on this journey, and I have really appreciated that. If you'll indulge me for just a minute or two, I'd like to share something on a somewhat personal note before I get to the message that I'd really like to talk to you about today. I guess it's what you might call my call story. When did I feel the call to do this work? Recently, as you can imagine, I've been asked the question many times about how I decided to do this seminary study and to do it at what one might call an advanced age. Uh, I don't believe that I've ever answered that question honestly until today, certainly not publicly. When I was about 12 years old, I got up one Saturday morning and I got on my bike and I rode to uh, First Presbyterian Church, which is where we went. I opened the door. It was unlocked on a Saturday morning. I walked down the center aisle and I knelt and I said, what do you want me to do? And I think if I look back, maybe it was a longer conversation than I remember, but I think the essence of it was do the work that needs to be done and just jump in. We chatted over the years. God would ask occasionally if I was still on board with the plan. And I would say yes, but the things always seemed to get in the way. And then about 10 years ago, I thought that, uh, okay, Lord, I'm finally ready to jump in and start the journey of doing the work for your kingdom that needs to be done. And yesterday, my commissioning at Presbytery sort of pulled it all together. I'm blessed to have so many doers here at Second Church to do alongside me. Um, I think if anybody went to the adult session earlier, you're going to think that maybe Dr. Lee and I got together on this, but we'll have to tell them we didn't. But uh, there's work to be done. The renowned African-American theologian Howard Thurman said that the basic fact is that Christianity, as it was born in the mind of this Jewish thinker and teacher, appears as a technique of survival for the oppressed that it became, through the intervening years, a religion of the powerful and the dominant, used sometimes as an instrument of oppression, must not tempt us into believing that it was thus in the mind of Jesus. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Wherever his spirit appears, the oppressed gather, fresh courage, for he announced the good news that fear, hypocrisy, and hatred, the three hounds of hell that track the trail of the disinherited need have no dominion over them. I think that most of you probably know that our congregation has been engaged in a six-week study of the Jamar Tisby book, How to Fight Racism, Courageous Christianity and the Journey Toward Racial Justice. We've had roughly 100 courageous Christians involved in this study, both on Zoom and here on Thursday nights at the church. There have been 10 congregations participating in this series which was organized by Richmond's clergy against racism. I think it was the courageous Christianity part of the title that grabbed me. It made me wonder and want to know more about what the Bible says about racism and how to practice courageous Christianity, faithful Christianity. What does the law of Moses say? What do the prophets teach us? What do the gospel writers teach? And what does Jesus say about how to be an anti-racist? As it turns out, there was a lot of material in the scriptures for me to work with. So much so that in fact I concluded that with all due respect to Mr. Tisby and other writers who have penned numerous books on this subject, this book was actually written a very long time ago. 
As Christians, as members of this church, how do we live courageously as we seek to be an anti-racist church? How do we hear the word of God and also do the word of God? We heard recently from Alec when he preached on being doers from the book of James that we should be doers of the word and not hearers only. Recently at our church's annual session retreat, we were tasked with coming up with answers to three questions. The first of these questions was, what is God calling forth from us? The most important thing God's calling forth from us as leaders of the church in these unusual times. At the top of the list that we came up with that Sunday was that we are called forth to focus on mission and advocacy, strengthening congregational community within and outside of, in the wider community outside of Second Church. We were to become a seven-day-a-week church. We would play some of our games on our home field, and then we'd play some games away. Immediately after that first response was this phrase, we are called forth to have a greater awareness of structural racism, called to be doers and to strive toward being an anti-racist church. Our scripture passage this morning is from Paul's letter to the Galatians, the third chapter, verses 26 through 29, and can be found in your bulletin. Please listen for the word of God. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. How do we even begin to fight this thing called racism? How do we begin to fight this thing that from a Christian worldview dehumanizes and devalues our fellow Christians? Well, I've come to the conclusion that we just need to jump in. It's our natural inclination to feel uncomfortable around people that are different than us. We like to gravitate toward people who are just like us. But what I have learned is that when we separate from our fellow believers because we are different, we're paying no attention at all to biblical teaching. The scriptures are so very clear on this. We are told repeatedly how we are to behave, what God wants from us. And repeatedly, we, we don't always listen. In Leviticus chapter 19, God tells us that when a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Think about that passage and think about what if Emmett Till, an African-American, a foreigner from Chicago, had not been mistreated by white Christians in Drew, Mississippi, when he visited his grandmother in the summer of 1955. What if Sandra Bland traveling from Chicago to Texas, had been treated like a native born. Perhaps she would not have died in a Waller County, Texas jail 60 years after Till in 2015. What if Ahmaud Arbery had been loved as much by the murderers who gunned him down while jogging in South Georgia as they loved their own kind? He might not have died. Let's think about George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, Michael Brown, and so many others as we contemplate the four things that we as Christians are told to do at the conclusion of the book of Hebrews. It's pretty simple. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. 
So by doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison. Remember those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. God is so clear on this issue of how to treat one another. Scripture is so clear. How did white Christianity stray so far? And how do we do the work that needs to be done? Jump in. Understand that race is something that white people made up. Race is what we refer to as a social construct. White Europeans, white Christian Europeans, simply made it up. It's not spiritual. It's not biological. The idea that race is determined by appearance, by hair texture, by nose size, by lips, it's all constructed. The Bible uses the word race. The Bible uses the word race in reference to the human race. In Job 28, 28, and he said to the human race, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. In 1 Peter chapter 2, but you are a chosen race, a holy nation, a people of his own possession. Here the word race means those who are part of God's holy nation. It has nothing to do with skin color or any other physical characteristics. In Genesis 12, God promises Abraham, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. All the people of the earth, and just stop here for a minute, hear what God's saying, and all the people of the earth will be blessed through you. That would be all nationalities, all ethnicities. God's salvation is for all families of the earth, period, full stop. Jesus tells his disciples in Acts at the ascension that they will be his witnesses to the ends of the earth, the whole earth, witnesses to everyone, to the black, white, yellow ends of the earth, to the gay, straight ends of the earth, to the immigrant and indigenous ends of the earth, to the we are not leaving anybody out ends of the earth. Jesus is telling us something here about inclusion. Everybody's in, nobody's out. I'm not sure that it matters so much as to why some Christians stopped listening and being courageous or why some Christians still turn a deaf ear to the teachings of Scripture. What is important is that we are listening now. We are being courageous Christians now. We at Second Press are being courageous Christians and we are ready to jump in. If don't ask people at Second Press where they stand on being courageous Christians, because if they're standing, their feet are not moving, and our feet are moving. We are living Proverbs 31. Speak up for those who cannot speak up for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. We at Second are gravitating constantly towards where we see people being crushed because we are a just people. We choose to gravitate to the places where people suffer, because the light of Jesus Christ is in this church and in its people. We are committed to not just talking about racism, we are committed to being about racism, about being people of courage. Dr. Martin Luther King wrote from Birmingham jail to folks that were getting ready to march the next day, when you prepare to march, meditate on the life and teachings of Jesus. Before we jump in, Let's meditate on the life and teachings of Jesus. And I know that we'll jump further if we do that. Let's be courageous Christians. Let's have the courage to jump into the courageous Christian anti-racist Jesus movement and not be hesitant to encourage others to jump along with us. Jump in with Ephesians where the Gentiles are here together with Israel, members together of one body, 
and sharers together in the promise of Jesus Christ. Jump in with Revelation 7, 9. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that nobody could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and the Lamb. Jump in with Luke chapter 4, where the kingdom is described as a banquet to which all, especially those on the margins, society's margins, are invited. Jump in with Matthew 25. Feed the hungry, all of the hungry. Quench the thirst for everyone who is thirsty. Invite all the strangers in. Clothe all the naked. Look after all the sick. Visit all the prisoners. Let us be courageous Christians who listen to the word of God. Friends, and I do mean that, you are my friends and fellow courageous Christians. I, I took a long time to get where I'm standing today. Uh, a lot of years since that Saturday morning bike ride, almost uh, 60 years ago. Uh, I heard God, but I wasn't doing God. I'm so thankful that when I decided to jump in, when I decided to be a doer, that you all were here in this church to support me and welcome me in this quest. Amen. Let us pray. Dear God, let us be committed to being courageous Christians. And we ask in your name that you help us to do the work that needs to be done in your kingdom. Amen.